Amen. All right. Generosity. This, it's interesting because if I stayed with the Purple Book, I would be preaching about tithing today. And I've preached about tithing a lot in this church. And I've dealt with Proverbs and uh, the three levels of what happens when you give your tithe. But as I was praying about this last week, I felt the Lord say, my people underestimate my generosity. So God said to me, don't preach about your generosity. Preach about how generous I am. So that's what we're going to do today. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1. And can you indulge an old guy and stand for the reading of God's word with me today? This used to be customary around here. Because we respect the word of God. We're thankful for the word of God. The Bible is not just a guidebook to life. It is a reflection and revelation of Christ. The fullness of God. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know God. We would make up gods. But God didn't leave us without a window into who he is. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's. Everybody say, the earth is the Lord's. And all the fullness. Oh, you're good. And the world and those who dwell therein. Now, the New Living Translation, did we put that up there, Terry? says it this way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Before I even get to the prayer and into the word, do we understand that everything on this earth, in this earth, in the sky, above the earth, all of it is his property. The very oxygen I am now taking in and blowing out belongs to God. You might have a deed on a piece of property, but the earth it stands on belongs to God. You might say, well, I was at work all week and I earned my money. But you earned it with a brain that belongs to God. With hands you didn't ask for, but you were given. With feet you didn't create, but they're there, even though they get ugly as you get older. The feet just don't know. They have their own mind. My grandkids go, what's wrong with your feet? I'm old. That's what's wrong with my feet. They used to be ugly. Now they're uglier. But I didn't ask for these feet. I had nothing to do with my arrival on the earth. Everything that we are standing on is the property of almighty God. Think about it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would understand the generosity that comes from your hand. That we would understand the nature of that generosity. That we would leave here today having seen you high and lifted up and bless this word and bless this message, not because I'm preaching it, but because you have something to say to each person in this room. Bless those listening by on, on live stream today and later on 
through the podcasting and however they might hear these words, may they be changed by them and transformed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Look at somebody and say, you need to be more generous. Yeah, you went ahead and said it, didn't you? Anyway, go ahead and have a seat. If I would have told you to look at him and say, you're really ugly today, would you have said it? I hope not. You know, when you're a child, it doesn't take you long. Uh, we've had children and grandchildren, and I was a child once, believe it or not. But when you have children, or when you are a child, it doesn't take you long to understand what's yours. You ever watched a child with their favorite toy? Even at two years old, they'll beat another child over the head to keep their toy. Maybe they didn't buy the toy. It was provided for them, but it's theirs. Why not even be theirs all the time? Just at the moment, it's theirs. Very seldom do we have children that naturally share. We have to teach sharing. We have to teach generosity. Because we like to own something. We like to have it belong to us. In light of that, I realize that God owns everything. It all belongs to him. This day that I woke up once again and stretched out of bed and put my feet on the ground is a day that belongs to God. It's not mine. It's his. The hours that I'm living today are not mine they're his. The Bible starts in a very emphatic way by saying, in the beginning, God. God came before all the things that you see around you today. It was God was before the air. God was before the planet. God was before the stars. Before all of it, before the angels sang in chorus to his glory eons ago, there was just God. He didn't have to have a chair to sit on or a ground to stand on. He's bigger than everything you and I know about. That God created the heavens and the earth and plucked you and I on this planet. And he declares in Psalm through David that all the earth belongs to him and all the people in it and everything else. The plants belong to him. The animals belong to him. Everything belongs to him. Now, did he have to share any of it? No. But he has been very generous to us. Let me say it this way. I know he's been very generous to me. I was going to list the ways in which God is generous, but I ran out of paper. And I continued to run more and more listings, and I thought, I can't preach it this way. We'll be here too long. And I got to just follow the Spirit on it. So uh, I believe the Lord gave me some things about generosity and His generosity, and then about seeing Jesus high as the ultimate generous gift He's ever given us. First of all, the word generous means a readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected. To be generous means you don't go just to what is necessary, but you give something beyond what is necessary. I don't know about you, but God has given me years beyond what I deserve, blessings beyond what I could attain. He's given me a family that I could not ever live up to in my own efforts. God has always gone above and beyond just providing my needs. 
He is a ready God, ready to give you more than is necessary and more than is expected. And I don't know about you, but human beings expect an awful lot, don't they? But yet God will go beyond our expectation. Have you ever experienced something with God that went beyond your expectation? Like it was better than you thought it would be? I'm often disappointed by things that are billed and advertised as the greatest show on earth or this great movie. I don't know. I, I've been disappointed in almost every movie I've ever gone to because it looked better in the trailer than the movie actually was. I've learned just watch the trailer and say you've seen the film most times. But with God, the trailer isn't as good as the real thing. Just a glimpse of God only gives you a piece of understanding of what great generosity he operates in. And his generosity is always ready to give you more than enough. More than just healing your disease, he wants to heal your mind. More than healing your mind, he wants to heal your family. More than healing your family, he wants to heal your city. More than just healing your city, he wants to heal your nation. God is a God of more than your expectancy. And it's a good thing, too, because the way some of us worship when we come to church, we don't seem like we expect too much from God. Pastor Rod Parsley, our great friend across the city, said for many years that expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. Some of you don't have miracles because you don't expect anything from God. But my God is a generous God. Do you know my grandchildren were with us the last couple of days? It's amazing I got any hair left or any energy left. Uh, I realized that I am not as a spry and young as I used to be. But when my grandchildren come in and they say, can we have a snack? When my children used to do that, I'd say, go ask your mother. Or no, you had enough. But when they come in, can I have a snack? Yeah, they're in there. Go ahead, help yourself. And a couple weeks ago when they were with us, I actually made a snack bowl, a treat bowl, full of candy, Am I crazy or what? And all kinds of stuff. I filled that bowl up, I think, three times in four days. And they just go in and grab what they want, grab what they want. I thought, well, let's be generous with the snacks. Instead of having a couple little Debbies, let's get some candy bars and let's get some of this. I even put a healthy snack in there, which was the only thing left when everything else was gone. And then I tasted one. I understand why they were left. But God is already God, so he's generous. And then that, secondly, we take the word generous and we expand it to generosity, which is the act of being generous. And it says the quality or fact of being plentiful or large. Come on, God is large when it comes to being generous. God is kind towards others all the time. You say, well, I've had a rough life. But God has given you life anyway. Just because we go through hardship doesn't mean God's not generous. In hardship, he's generous to be with you in the middle of the hardship. You've got to start looking for God in the cracks and crevices of your life. You've got to look for him in the valley and the mountain. You need to look beyond your situation and say, I know that this is hard, but in the midst of it being hard, I'm thankful. In the midst of it being hard, I've got bread on the table. I've got food in my belly. I've got money in my pocket. And if you don't got any money, but you're breathing, thank God you got air in your lungs. And you got a life. Come on, somebody. Ain't nobody going to help me this morning. I don't know about you, but God has been generous to me. He has been large in his kindness towards Ed Acres. I haven't deserved any of it. That's what makes it even more enjoyable. What Pastor Brent was talking about with popcorn. He didn't really deserve that gift, but that guy gave it to him out of generosity. 
that little kindness, that little bit of generosity that that man gave a little popcorn to somebody in line put an indelible impact even on Pastor Brent's mind and heart. One little act of generosity can change an entire relationship. Come on, somebody. So let me give you these qualities about God when it comes to generosity, and then I'll land on something for just about a minute or two. First of all, God is generous by nature. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God isn't generous because it's Christmas. God isn't generous because you did the right thing last week. God isn't generous because he's in a good mood today. God isn't generous because he just decided that he'd be helpful and generous this day. No, every day he sustains life. Every day he gives more life. Every day he gives more oxygen to breathe. Every day he gives up. Come on, somebody. Every day God is sustaining us. God is working in us. He is always the same. I thank God that there are no moods and variable turning with God. He's always consistently God. Man, people are fickle. People will keep you on shifting sand. They'll love you one day and hate you the next. They'll be your friend. They won't talk to you. There are, I, I love people that are consistent even if they're rotten. Because rotten people who are always the same, at least you know where you stand with them. But people that try to be friends to your face and then stab you in the back, or they'll talk to you one day and won't for six months, or they'll, talk, they'll be like they're your, your best buddy, but then they got a mood with you the next time you see them. You're like, what in the world did I do now? And you go, I don't know how I'm doing with this person. I'm always in a, this is just constant shadow of turning, constant uncertainty, constant moodiness about the person. And I, I have a hard time relating to people that are moody like that because I'm going to give you who I am every time the same way. I might not be in a good mood because I'm going through something, but you're going to hear honesty from me. You're going to hear my opinion. You're going you're to get the same edge. You may not like the edge ever, but you're going to get the same one. And I'm not bragging. That's just... I don't know how to be anything else but Ed. But God doesn't change. And his, his kindness and his generosity has no variations. Come on, he doesn't give Pastor Brent 10% of salvation and Brother Mike 20% of salvation. He gave Jesus once and for all for everybody. 100% salvation is available to every person on the planet. He doesn't save you because you've lived a good life and ignore the murderer over here. He will save the murderer if he repents. And if you don't, he'll hold that against you same way he would if that man didn't repent. But if both repent, both get the same salvation, same Jesus, same, same new life, same beginning, same heaven. Come on now. There's not going to be a heaven for the favorites and a heaven for everybody else. Anybody who knows Jesus Christ is going to end up in the same heaven because it is the nature of God to be generous. Look, I'm sure that God could have made one planet and a moon and a sun and left everything else just out there black. He gave us more suns, stars, than we can count. More planets than we can perceive. Universes and galaxies we've yet to even find. And in all of that, that was just the generous nature of a creator who said, let things be, and they were. Come on, amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that it's his nature to be generous. Come on, he's generous with his forgiveness. Has he been generous with any of you with forgiveness? 
Do you know that God does not have to forgive us of our sins? Do you know that he has a right as a just God, as a holy God, to not forgive you? But do you know that he forgave everybody the potential for everybody to be forgiven was spoken by Jesus Christ on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He meant you when he said them. And I can be forgiven the same way you can be forgiven. I don't know about you, but he's been very generous by nature with his peace. Jesus said, I give you peace that passes all understanding. Not the world's peace do I give you. I give you the peace of God. Peace that passes all understanding. Do you understand that in the New Testament alone, the word give is connected to Jesus or God 300 plus times? Judgment is, is attached to Jesus or God five times. But give is attached to his nature because God is the original giver. Giver of life, giver of hope, giver of peace, giver of everything we need. It is the nature of God. How many are thankful that he has a nature that does not change and that he is always generous, generous on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Generous in the morning and generous at night. And if I need something from God, I know it's his nature to give it to me. He said, you have not because you ask not. Because if you ask, you'll get that what you ask for. Because I'm a generous God. I wish somebody would get this this morning. God's generosity is sufficient. Look at the Bible. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all. Say it. Say it again. Boring word, isn't it? Say it again. And some of you just don't want to read. Can you read? Do you know how to read? The word is sufficiency. All right. So when you sit down to eat, do you want the meal to be sufficient? Now, Pastor Tammy and I have gone to some pretty expensive places because we like to go to nice places and eat. And there are places where you pay almost $100 for an entree and it don't look sufficient when it comes out because it's a delicacy. Anybody hear me up in here? I'm like, what, where's, the, where's the entree? This is the appetizer. But if it's done by a master chef, you realize that little piece is sufficient because of the taste and the texture and the satisfaction. Instead of just eating it like a pig, you sit and enjoy the bites. You realize that it's sufficient. How many of you know sometimes, though, you go to a, uh, somebody that provides a service, maybe, like a mechanic, and you pay a big price, but he didn't really fix the car right. That's not sufficient. But every time God gives you something, it's sufficient. It will meet the need. It will, it will meet the need 100%. God's salvation is sufficient. I don't have to have God's salvation plus the priest or the preacher's blessing. I don't have to have salvation plus the recognition of somebody else. I don't have to get his salvation and then do 10 prayers a day and 16 fastings a year to make sure I'm still saved. His grace is sufficient. And because he's generous, he's going to make sure what he gives you is sufficient that you might be able to do an abundance, have in abundance what you need for good work. So do I need God's help? Yes. Do I have what I need? Yes. Pastor Brent talked about the toolboxes. Talked about you have everything in the toolbox that you need. 
That inspired me this week to go to him and say, look, that front yard out there, it's, it's going to be $40,000, $50,000 to have that asphalt taken out, that rock taken out, having things rebuilt. I said, but we got people in here that can hold shovels. We got people in here that can dig, hold power washers. I can get out there. I was out there with the rest of them, getting myself muddy and dirty. I said, we can do this ourselves and save God, save the church thousands of dollars and make this thing look good. If you don't have what you need to get it done by a professional, then you do with what you've got in your hand and you do it. You don't sit there and look at it and say it's ugly, it's going to get uglier, it's going to keep, I wish we had some money, I wish we could get that done. No, you take the loaves and fishes, you bless it and let God multiply it. That's a principle of life in the kingdom of God. And when God gives me something it might look like it's not enough to feed the masses. But if I bless it, if I break it, if I give it away. Do you know how Jesus fed the 5,000? He took what wasn't his, which was somebody being generous to him. He took the generosity and he multiplied the generosity by holding it to heaven and blessing it. Saying, God, I'm giving it to you now. And God, he broke it. And as he blessed it and broke it, it's a sign of salvation. Jesus is one Savior, but he's enough for everybody. Ain't nobody going to hear me now. And he said, here, take this piece, take that piece, start passing it out. And the Bible says everybody were fed until full, and they had baskets left over. Because when God does something and he's generous, he'll not leave you short. Man, thank God he didn't leave me short. Thank God he didn't save me just 90% and 10% of me is going to go to hell. Thank God all of me is going to. We used to say about baptism, we have to get immersed because that's the only way all of you can go to heaven. If you're sprinkled, you only go to heaven in spots. But we believe in all the way. Amen? And God is an all the way God when it comes to sufficiency. Last characteristic of his generosity. And there's more, but that's all I have time for. God's generosity is abundant, even to the point of extravagance. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able. How many, how many of you believe he's able? Does anybody believe God's able to take care of what you're facing right now? Just a few of you? Just a few of you? All right, Lord, okay. Our worship leader today tried to admonish you to praise. I want to make a suggestion to you biblically. I want to make a theological premise that you may or may not agree with. But when you see Christ fully lifted, your automatic response is praise. And you don't need anyone to coach you or to coax you. When a person is dying of kidney failure and someone they don't know donates a kidney, gives of their own body to that person, the response is automatically of gratitude and praise for the person doing it. No one has to get them to do that. They understand the generous act being given to them. Jesus said in John, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me or all people. The problem is we have lost the lifted up view of Jesus. We have made Jesus a buddy and a pal who walks equal with us. But the Bible says, if I be lifted up. Now, I know the next verse says this. He spoke of the way he would die, speaking of the cross. But if you look at the Greek word, everybody tracking me now, stay with me. 
If you look at the Greek word lifted in that verse, it means to uphold, to raise up, upward, to lift up, to exalt. You know why people aren't praising? Because you don't see him lifted up. Jesus is your buddy. He's your pal. Somebody to help you get to heaven. But when I see Jesus, I see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I see the mighty God, the everlasting one, the Alpha and the Omega. I see him as creator in Genesis, as lawmaker in Exodus. Come on, somebody. I see him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I see him as the fourth man in the fiery furnace. I see Jesus Christ as the head of all the prophets of all the earth. I see him higher than all things on this earth. He's higher than the devil. He's higher than cancer. He's higher than blood pressure problems. He's higher than disease. He's higher than depression. He's higher than all this mental disorder going around in America. He's higher because he's God. I raise him up this morning I tell you there's nobody greater than Jesus Christ there's nobody higher than Jesus Christ the world doesn't need a new political party it needs a risen up lifted up savior it doesn't need another church it needs a church that lifts up Jesus Christ in the way we talk and the way we live he isn't just my buddy he's my king he isn't just my friend he's my savior he isn't just somebody that lived a long time ago he's ruling on the throne of God right now and he's on his way back to the earth I don't know about you but the world needs an uplifted Jesus Christ not a cocky church pastors get in pulpits all the time and say I'm going to give you 10 relative things to do this week to make your life better never once lifting Christ we have pastors now calling themselves life coaches I ain't a life coach I'm a voice piece for God I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. I realize that without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I'm nobody. Without him, I can't say a thing. Without him, I can't stand. But with him, I know that he is my everything. He is my all in all. He is my first and my last, my everlasting one. He is the one that I long for and want. He's the shepherd of my soul. He is the rescuer of my drowning condition. He is the God of heaven and the God of the earth. Jesus Christ is above the devil. He's above the president. He's above the churches. He's above the society. He's above Grove City. Come on, somebody. Jesus is high and lifted up, and he's higher than all things on this earth I don't need you to talk to me about being practical I need you to show me Jesus Christ I need Jesus high and lifted because even if I raise him high I still don't have him as high as he really is I've been preaching for 42 years if I preach Jesus Christ like I just did in another part of the world they're running to the altars and screaming in praise. But in America, it's like raising the dead. Because we've come so accustomed to the gospel message, we forgot who it is that's generous to us. I don't know if them five guys in that tube of death down there by the Titanic knew God or even knew if that was coming because an implosion can happen so fast you don't know it's coming. I hope that's how it happened to them. But let's say they had a moment. I bet they didn't yell for their wife. I bet they didn't yell out for a friend. If they had any sense at all, they were yelling out for God. And they hopefully would have yelled out for Jesus Christ. At that moment when they lost their lives, everything God owned on this earth left them. 
but he owned some stuff beyond this earth. And that's where they woke up next. We do no longer live under the shadow of eternity. We're not any longer living under the long gaze of a short life with a long afterlife. We're no longer lifting Jesus up to get people saved. We're trying to be life coaches. We think we're okay as long as we keep getting people to come and sit in the church. But no transformation. No lifting Christ higher. No one's changed and transformed. They come in and join church and sinning, and they go out and sin the same way and just learn how to talk the right talk to justify the sin that they should have lost when they found God. When I see him, when they started singing that song that we're going to sing, he is Messiah, rescuer from heaven. I can't help but weep when I talk about it, Brother Mike, and I'm not putting on. He's my everything, man. When it all is said and done, when it's all gone, it's him. When nobody has a dollar to help me, when nobody can do anything for me, it's him. He never has left. He's never forsaken me. He's always been there. Man, the generosity of his presence. I'm not talking about generosity that just gives me stuff. I'm talking about a generosity that gives me him. We sing that song. The Lord of all at the very end, and I stopped singing for a second to see if I could hear you, and I could just barely hear. No expression on anyone's faces of, oh, it's him. I'm telling you, if you see him, like I've seen him, you can't stay the same. You can't justify things you know he hates. You can't, you can't hate people you know you shouldn't hate. You can't, you can't do anything but love him. The most generous thing God ever did was send Jesus Christ to us. He sent the very jewel of heaven, the very diamond of heaven, the very most precious part of heaven. He sent Christ. The world was in need. He didn't send 12 steps. The world was in need. He didn't send a life coach. The world was in need. He didn't send a trainer. The world was in need, and he sent a Savior. He's not the one who gives salvation. Jesus is salvation. He's not the one who gives healing. Jesus is healing. He's not the one who gives peace. Jesus is peace. I'm at peace because I have him, not because I have his peace. I have him. I see him. Man, when my life gets down and rough, I have a tendency to want to put on some other stuff. Oldies music, or you call it oldies. I call it, just listened to it last week probably. I'll spend them records. I'll get alone and just start mulling around stuff in my head. But if I'll put on them worship songs, My mother-in-law was near the brink of death. Tammy and I turned everything else off. Turned the TV off and just started playing praise music in that house. Not because we was begging God for anything, but we knew he was going to walk through hard waters, through thick and thistles. But man, when that praise would fill the house and Jesus got lifted, he drew See, when he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw, it's not a one-time drawing. It's not a one-time lifting. 
is every time I lift him higher than my consciousness of events and circumstances around me, then he draws me. Now here's the cool part, Brother Mike. I know you're a Bible scholar, both mics. And the mic back there. We've got mics everywhere. The word lifted means exalt, uplift, hold high. The word draw means to persuade and to pull in. Oh man, how much are we trying to persuade people in the world to get Jesus Christ? How many times we're trying to tell them if you don't straighten up, you're going to go to hell? How many times we're trying to tell them how good our church is? And they're like, well, there's a lot of other good churches too. Some of them have newer place sets than us, like about everybody. Oh, they got this program and that. Everybody lauds their church, or you know what the word lauds mean? They, they exalt their church. You, go, you want Jesus come to my church? We got the best preacher. He dresses the best. He's cool. Man, I don't care if the pastor has a barley, a, a burlap sack on. I don't care if he's wearing a sweater, a cardigan sweater from the 1990s. I don't care what he's got on, but if he can lift up Jesus, if he can do his words and in his life show me what Christ is like, then Christ will draw me to himself. We sat in a room one time with a whole bunch of preachers. Some of them are, have their own notoriety now. Some of them are making their way up the ladders. Room full of preachers. We were all there to hear the legend of preaching, Bishop T.D. Jakes. So we all sat down for dinner in the green room afterwards. We're all talking about our churches, talking about our ministries, talking about what, what we got, what we're doing. And all of a sudden, you can hear Bishop Jakes start talking. He says, there was a time preachers sat around and talked about the goodness of God he who flung the heavens he started just talking about God the room went shh and ten minutes into we're weeping with our hands up not because Bishop Jakes was talking but the one he was talking about got lifted above all the other stuff and it drew all of us to him See, I don't know Bishop Jake's politics. I don't know his checkbook. I'm sure it's big or mine. I don't know his opinion on a lot of things. But when he talks about God and he lifts Jesus with his words, it ministers to me. It draws me. Because that word draw just doesn't mean pull in. Or to persuade. It means to have, oh, I like this, I like this definition. To have the ability of persuasion. We think the world needs the church to be more articulate, more this, more that. But when we lift up Jesus, he has the inherent power to draw people and persuade them. People will not get saved because we yell at their sins. They'll get saved because we lift up Jesus in front of them. What's my response to be? Go ahead and stand. What is my response to be? 
to this generous God who gave me life, who gave me salvation, who gave me a wonderful wife. How did I deserve such a wonderful wife? I didn't. Who gave me three wonderful children? Who gave me son-in-laws that we prayed for? Who gave me grandchildren that I'd do anything for? They are my drug. They are my escape. They are my happy place. What did I do to deserve the parents I've had and the ones that I had that have gone on? What did I do? He gave them to me. You say, well, I didn't have good parents. But he gave you the ability to come out of it and improve your own life because you're following him. I go overseas and go to these poor countries and watch people that don't have two nickels to rub together, walk to church for miles to come hear the word of God. And I realize how generous God has been to give me a place of worship. How generous is God? You can't tell it. He's too big. Here's what you need to do, though. This is what should happen when you see the generosity of God. And you want to see the generosity of God? Look to Christ. Look at Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Praise Him. Praise Him. I got to praise Him because He's so good. That's why David woke up in the morning and said, In the morning, in the morning, will I rise up and seek you? Because as the morning breaks, you realize I've got another day of life. Wow. you got to thank him. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for giving me these friends. Thank you for my brothers. Thank you for my sisters. I'm thankful. Man, Americans are complainers, whiners. Why is it so this? Why is the gas so high? Just... Thank God you're breathing. That you can put 10 bucks in and might get you to the next gas station. I don't know. Thank you. You really love him. You really want to thank him for his generosity. Submit to him. Do what he tells you. You know what grieves a father's heart? When your children you raise live contrary to the values you put in them. It's hard on a dad. Especially if they were good values, they were God values. I haven't had to experience that, but I know dads that are, every time I meet them, pray for my children, they come back to God. God is most pleased with us when we submit to Him. 